Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 118 of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. It's the world's biggest Mark Burley fan, Patrick, calling from Halifax, Nova Scotia. Uh, meanwhile, way out west, uh, the second biggest Mark Burley fan in the world. It's Justin, the Professor Anderson. That's probably not even true, because I imagine his kids uh, and his wife are probably uh, <laughs> a little bit higher up there. Uh, how you doing, then, though, Justin? Higher up than me, maybe. I don't know about you. Yeah, probably not me, but how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. Uh, we got lots to talk about today. It's, I'm not going to waste any time talking about myself. That's why I talk Blue Jays baseball today. I know. There is so much to talk about. It's been a busy week already. But if you want to stay in the know, you can follow us on Twitter at VFMD Podcast. We're on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Stitcher, TuneIn. And more, and you can check out our brand spanking new website, bfmdpodcast.com, to send us a question uh, that we will even read on air, uh, if you like that. Uh, Before we get into real Blue Jays news, fun Blue Jays fact for you. uh, One of the stars of the show, Superstore, which is actually having its uh, series finale this Friday, um lauren ash who plays dina on the show she's actually a diehard blue jays fan i did not know this until like yeah late last week and i wanted to find a way to feather it in last uh time we recorded couldn't do it but <laughs> yeah turns out lauren ash is canadian and she's a huge fan of the toronto blue jays i love it you love it let's just get right into it man i just i need to talk about the toronto blue jays and what's going on because we're living in times of chaos, Justin. Yeah, we take sure us, are. Take us into it. <laughs> and one thing I always love to do when I'm handing out bad news is to give some good news first. So let's read a tweet from Buster only. Uh, numbers that leap off the page. The Jays, Tyler Chatwood this spring. Seven innings, one hit, zero runs, five strikeouts, no walks allowed. That's a pretty good offseason pickup. Hey, Patrick? That is That deserves a chef's kiss. So, mwah. Yeah. Perfecto. All right. Let's get right into the timeline of events where we usually do like the news and then game results. We're just going to do everything in one hodgepodge and see how it goes with this episode. So starting off with Monday's game, March 22nd, the Blue Jays defeated the Detroit Tigers four to three. Tim Mesa picked up the win in that game. And uh, yeah, yeah, our boy uh, Ross Stripling had started. He was throwing strikes like mad. He ended up striking out seven batters over three and two-thirds innings. Did he give up five hits, though? A couple were weak. Uh, no walks, three runs, and and, and they did, did give up a home run. Uh, wasn't a terrible start, though, from Strip. The strikeout numbers, I was actually surprised by how good his breaking ball was in that game. He was having some difficulty with the fastball. But I thought overall, uh, a pretty encouraging start from him. I think uh, he, he was definitely settling in. Um, after the rough inning where he gave up the home run. Do you have any thoughts on strip that game, Patrick? Um, uh, you know, I'm surprised at uh, how effective he has been at striking guys out. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think he was someone who was like, that was his jam. No, his velocity's uh, up this spring. So that's the thing. Yeah, he's been working hard. Obviously, there's a lot of pressure on him. Uh, due to uh, the Nate Pearson injury, we're trying to figure out what a rotation is going to look like. Rush tripling factors in uh, as the probable number five. However, 
uh, with recent news, and we'll get to all of it, Stripling might be relied upon a little bit more. Uh, he does tend to give up a lot of home runs. I'm not a fan of it, uh, but this this outing was fine. Yeah. Uh, it was fine. He was he was the only glitch in an otherwise uh, fantastic performance. That uh, that uh, foursome that I usually uh, mention, Romano, Liriano, Meza, uh, and then you've got Barucki, Dolis, they're also a part of it. They're all drawn uh, blanks so far. Romano mm-hmm. with the three strikeouts. Uh, yeah. Very pleased with him, and I, I think we're going to be seeing a lot of uh, Jordan Romano this year. Yeah, and we'll get to why here in a second. But yeah, as Patrick mentioned, Romano had, he struck out the side in his only inning of work. Uh, Frankie Liriano also struck out one in his inning. Mazo struck out one. Overall in the day, Jay's pitchers, outside of Ross Stripling, only allowed two hits, no runs, zero walks across the board, and yeah. uh, also six strikeouts from the bullpen in that game too. So really nice uh, innings three through nine for the Jays. Offensively in that game, Marcus Samin hit another home run, his second in as many days and third of the spring. He went two for three in that game. And Bo Bichette starting to come around. We'll talk about him more too. He went one for three with an RBI in that game. All right, let's mentally prepare ourselves. A couple of deep breaths here. All right, Tuesday, March 23rd. Let's have some fun or not. Kirby Yates is done for the year. According to Scott Mitchell, he had an MRI, an ailing right elbow, and is most likely having Tommy John surgery, according to Ross Atkins. This will be the second Tommy John surgery of his career. Um, Hazel May then reports uh, that Ken Rosenthal article in The Athletic where uh, Kirby Yates' physicals twice caused alarm this offseason. The Braves grew uncomfortable uh, with offering him a contract when MRI issues or MRIs revealed additional issues with the Yates's elbow. So some of their teams, Patrick had some concerns about his elbow still. And yet the blue Jays went ahead after the physical that we did on him and offered him this, this contract. And obviously you, you hate to see the injury of course, but the, the signing has, we'll never see Kirby Yates in a blue Jay uniform in all likelihood. Um, what were your first initial reactions when you saw the first, obviously the notice of the injury and then also this, this story coming out later on? Uh, man, I was heartbroken for him. Yeah. Uh, it sucks. Yeah. It's, it's gonna, it's gonna hurt his career a lot. It really, it, it sucks for us. Number two, number one, it sucks for Kirby Yates. Number two, it, it, it sucks for us because we were, really hoping that we would have this guy closing for us. He's capable of 40 saves. Uh, and it's not that we don't have guys on the roster who can, you know, close by committee. It's right. just, you know, we took a shot on this guy. Uh, not a lot of other teams were willing to. Um, we'll talk about why. But, I mean, initially, I just feel bad for him. It just sucks. just sucks. It really does, and so this is going to elevate guys like Romano and Dolis back into that later innings role. Obviously, Dolis took it over at the end of last season when Romano was out, and obviously we didn't have Ken Giles. So we'll probably see one of those two guys, or at least a rotation of them, to begin the season. Uh, Keeping with pitching, uh, a less serious injury, Robbie Ray was carrying his child, fell on some stairs, and bruised his pitching elbow. 
He's scheduled to miss his next spring start, but Ross Atkins is hopeful he'll be ready for his first start uh, next weekend in New York when the Jays will be playing the Yankees. He would be pitching on April the 3rd, which would be the Jays' second game. They have that weird off day after the first. Um, A freak injury, which we're all too familiar with. We've had suitcase injuries in the past. Now we had falling on stairs while carrying a kid to the uh, the list of Blue Jay injuries. Um, Nothing too serious here, Patrick. Just a bruised elbow. Nothing structural damage, so we shouldn't really have too much to talk about here, hey? Yeah, I'm just glad that he and the kid are, are yeah, mostly both, okay. Both bruised are fine. elbow, it's not, that's not. And mostly a bruised sort of, ego, too. <laughs> prob- probably, but I mean, I'm sure he'll be fine. Give it, yeah. you know, two, three days, he'll be fine. He'll, he probably hasn't stopped throwing. Like, I mean. Uh, I mean, he's probably stopped throwing for now, but like, I mean, he's not going to be shut down. <laughs> yeah, no, he'll yeah, be. Uh, he'll be back he, in a few he days. Might, he might, might miss a start during the regular season yeah at maybe most. yeah maybe um so, I mean. in more serious news uh off-season acquisition number one free agent george springer he has a grade two oblique issue uh, after getting an mri will miss a few days but the jays are hoping he's ready for opening day um a grade one oblique injury the most common return time for a hitter is about 27 days we saw tay oscar come back from one really quickly last year Obviously, this is what stopped Vladdy's debut a couple of years ago. We held him out of spring training and, and most of April in 20, uh, 2019. Um, the team is encouraged, though. I was reading an article. Uh, Springer hasn't really, like, he was playing through this and not like, and he was still hitting and fielding and throwing normally. So there's hope that he won't be out very long. Uh, if, obviously, if he is out for more than a, a week or two and he misses opening day, we do still have three capable outfielders with Randall Grichuk being the fourth guy. Uh, on this roster, who can fill in while he is gone? Um, any thoughts on this one, Patrick? I thought that oblique strains lasted two to three months. It depends on the severity, and also on the the human being. <laughs> Some people just recover faster because Teoscar came back in about two weeks last year. Yeah, it just really depends on the severity of it. Is all. I honestly, I don't expect him to be ready for opening day at all. Uh, there's only eight days. Um, there's no reason to rush his return because if he re-aggravates the injury or it gets worse, then he's gone for, you know, half yeah, the season. And they've said he won't come waste. back until he's 100%. They'll hold him back if they have to, basically is what the article said. If If he ends up having to go on the injured list for 10 days, um... I don't know what the latest date they can do it for retroactive is. Cause like they have a few days before they have to make a decision. I yeah. Think. It'll be, does, it'll be determined the next, and then by the end of this week, what, what they'll do with them. But no matter what, like our first day is our first game is April 1st. That's so correct. He's got, he's got what? Seven, he's got a week. Yeah. He's got a week basically to be a hundred percent. That's not going to happen. And if he has to go in the IL, he, if he goes on the IL to, like retroactive to today, uh, he won't be able to come back until Saturday the third, which would be our third game, yeah, uh, of the season. Um, I'd rather shut him down for ten. But we ha- there's a seven day IL, isn't there? Yeah, there is. There is a seven day IL now. Yep. Okay. He could go in the seven day IL retroactive, and then he'd still be ready for the season. 
Yeah, so there's we don't no have to make any aisle decisions until opening day, really. So there's there's still well, plenty of if, time. See the 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 benefit though of putting him on the IL um, as soon as possible means uh, roster spot is freed up, and it does eliminate the the issue of well you've got Jonathan Davis and Josh Blasios both hitting close to 400 during spring training. Uh, you can throw one or both of them on the roster. Yeah, we'll talk about roster here too in a few minutes. The implications. Um, yes. But yeah, definitely not the not ideal for sure to nope, have your your, you your big your 150 million dollar leadoff hitter uh, and center fielder hurt. Um, so in summary, <laughs> the Jays closer needs Tommy John surgery. <sighs> George Springer is dealing with an oblique strain, which the club hopes is minor. Robbie Ray is going to miss a spring start with a bruised elbow. And the Jays now have renewed interest in adding pitching. Um, of course they do. They should have had that interest the whole time. Um, sticking with Tuesday, the dark day, the Jays did turn around after the news and go out and beat the Philadelphia Phillies 9-3. to That was a shellac in Patrick. Um, Tommy Malone started for the Blue Jays. He went four and a third. Gave up two hits, which two of the two of which were solo home runs. Didn't walk a batter and struck out two. Romano came in uh, to finish off that fifth inning. His it was his first time he had pitched back to back this spring, which in a reliever's mind uh, kind of signifies that they're ready to go for opening day. He wasn't as sharp in this outing. He did walk a batter, but also struck out one and got those last two outs in the fifth to back up Malone. Kirby Sneed came in, walked two, gave up a run in an inning. Then Jake Wegus pack. Uh, who is now a minor leaguer because he passed through waivers, gave up one hit over a scoreless inning. Travis Bergen came in, walked one, but then struck out the side. And Ty Tice was able to finish off the game with uh, an inning uh, where he gave up a hit and struck out two. Overall in the day, seven hits, three runs, four walks, eight Ks on two home runs allowed by the starting pitcher Tommy Malone. On the offense, Lourdes Gurriel has been kind of struggling a little bit this spring in terms of him, but like just like most of the regulars, he's really coming around lately. He hit a nice home run in that game. Santiago Espinal battling for a spot, which we'll talk about here in a couple. He's hitting 400 this spring. He went two for four. And Josh Palacios continued his strong spring with a, a one for three showing and a run. And I believe he's still home in that game too on a double steal, which was pretty cool. Uh, what were your thoughts on on Tommy Malone and and that game specifically, Patrick? Is there any possibility that Malone makes this team at all? Or I believe he he's on a league? minor league deal, but I'll I'll look that up. Yeah. Give me a moment. Okay. Well, while you're doing that, um, just reflecting on this, most of the names that we saw on this list, aside from Romano, I don't expect any of them to make the team. Sneed, Wagus, Pack, Bergen, and Tice are all most likely going to AAA. Mm-hmm. Um, Bergen interests me because he's had such a good spring. Um, but then again, so is Sneed. I don't know. I don't think any of these guys make it except for Romano anyway. But um, I, it's interesting to see Romano not close out the game. Uh, it's interesting to see him uh, clean up the mess in the fifth. Uh, yeah, I like. Uh... I like versatility in relievers yeah and and it was talked about a lot this year that the jays were going to use their their high leverage relievers in high leverage situations so that's uh 
Yeah. Uh, that's that's what they did. And just to back up Tommy Malone, he is on a minor league contract, so he could be a guy who might go on the taxi squad because we'll have that in play again this year. So rather than, right. rather than so. leaving some of our, our prospects, like say an Anthony Kay on that taxi squad, they could send a guy like that to AAA to develop and leave a more experienced uh, guy with big league, with lots of big league years on him and Tommy Malone on that squad. So that'll be an option for a guy like him. Um, Josh Palacios and Santiago Espinal are really hitting well this spring. They did the Espinal did the same last year and ended up uh, cracking the roster. Of yeah, course. he was great. He was great in the thirty games we saw him, or twenty nine games we saw him last year. Yeah, he was solid for sure. You can't say anything about anything wrong about that. Um, that was the game yesterday. To today's game on Wednesday the twenty fourth. You'll love to see this scoreline: Blue Jays five, Yankees zero. From George M. Steinbrenner Field, we got to listen to the terrible Yes broadcast. My God, what a joke! Um, <laughs> it was terrible. They they brought these three guys yeah. in like the middle of the game, like did like a like a radio talk show. It was it was awful. I don't know what they were doing. Um, but the Blue Jays yeah. scored five runs on eight hits, and the Yankees didn't score any on six. Trent Thornton started the game. He went three innings, ended up picking up the win today. Three hits, one walk, and three strikeouts. The curveball was working. That's my boy. Uh, everyone's new favorite prospect to me was Richardson came in and pitched three innings, gave up two hits, walked one and struck out four. He has faced the Yankees three times this spring, uh, eight innings pitched and I believe like eight strikeouts, no runs allowed. So he's, yep. and he's, he's pitched against a lot of regulars like he did today. He struck out, uh, I think it was uh judge and, and, and somebody else. And I think, um, What's their catcher's name? You see Gary Sanchez on, on three straight pitches that were all curveballs, which is pretty funny. Um, AJ yeah, Cole. Gary Sanchez sucks, though. He can't hit Yeah, he can't. He can only life. hit fastballs, and he hits them a long way. Trouble with the curve. Um, <laughs> what is he? He's auditioning for the next major league movie, I guess. Uh, have to keep <laughs> Joe Boo's bats warm. Uh, AJ Cole, he pitched a clean inning. One hit allowed, but struck out three. Anthony Castro, this is a guy that I think has a, an outside shot at a bullpen role. He had a clean inning with one strikeout. And Jackson Reese, who has a beautiful slider, that thing is a thing of beauty. His springy area is still at zero. He's only worked a couple innings, though. He walked one and struck out two. Again, Where over on the he day, uh, he'll be in Buffalo. He'll be in Buffalo for sure. He'll be in Buffalo. But, uh, yeah, three sense. walks against 13 strikeouts for the pitching staff today, Patrick. But the big story, offensively, we talked about Bo breaking out. He went two. He went three for three today, with two of those being opposite field home runs. The first one in the just barely cleared the fence in the first inning, but the second one was a was a no doubter. And then Tay Oscar, man, he hit one about three quarters of the way up the batter's eye in center field. It was like I think it was like about four hundred and eighty five <laughs> feet was what they measured it at. I think if I remember seeing it on Twitter correctly, it was. I think it was four forty five. Four forty five k. Yeah, but that's still. Oh yeah, still I'm, I'm thinking insane. of Shohei Otani's. He he went over the batter's eye in Anna in Anaheim's uh, Spring Park, and I think that one was four eighty five a couple days ago. He's hit two over the batter's eye himself, um, and also is pitching again too. Another story, another day. Uh, and Vladdy defensively, um, right before the game, Kevin Biggio was scratched with some pinky discomfort. The X-rays came back clean. He just he took he took a a weird. Um, he was catching the ball, I think fielding, and it ended up just hurting his pinky a little bit. Just caught in the wrong spot on his glove, so he just got scratched with some general soreness on that. Should be just day to day. But Vladdy shifted over from first to third, and then Rowdy moved in to play first base. Um, and Vladdy turned a really nice double play. He was playing off the off the line, took a ball, took two steps back, 
stepped on the base and then threw across his body while moving away from the infield. Across it down and a strike to Telez at first to turn a nice uh, unassisted double play there. Um, that was pretty nice to see. So if, if Vladdy can make those kind of plays at third base, that definitely opens up some flexibility uh, throughout the season. What did Do you, you think, think of today's game? I think he's earned, think he's earned some. Earned. I think he's earned at least some some consideration for uh, starts against lefties if they choose to sit Biggio in those games at, at the beginning, being a left-handed bat. Um, it would be a great way to give Kavan a day off his feet if they want to DH him as well too. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's just a good way to to have again. You can never have too much versatility in today's baseball because guys should be able to move around the diamond in multiple positions in today's game. So I love to see it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> let's talk. Let's start. No, no, no. Let's before we get into it. Let's talk about this problem that we have right now. Simeon Woods Richardson. He's done absolutely everything that a prospect could possibly do to earn his way onto this roster. And yet, he's not going to make the roster. And I think sometimes you have to take a chance on prospects. Sometimes you have to push their timeline ahead a little bit because they get red hot. And in this case, with, with Woods Richardson, he's the hottest pitcher we have. I don't know, man. He's never pitched above A ball, Patrick. I know. I know. He's 20 yeah. years old, Patrick. I know. I know, I know all of this, and yet there's zero chance he makes this team. Zero. And and yet zero. Some and yet some <laughs> part of me, some part of me wants to see what this young fella can do. Zero. On the team, I, he's just he's very compel. He's a very compelling prospect. I'm actually more he's excited great. about Simeon Woods Richardson than I am Nate Pearson. Wow, Which I I know it's it's a spicy take, uh, and it's not that Nate is going to be bad. I just think Simeon Woods Richardson is going to be special. So he's in the top one hundred prospects now. Let me clarify. I still think Nate Pearson's going to be great. He'll be a great pitcher, but Simeon Woods Richardson is going to be special. Okay, all right. Let's project the roster. This is always a fun thing to do. Based on all these injuries, I thought it would be a good time to take a look at this. I wanted to wait another like five or six days maybe for our next episode to do this. But yeah, things of uh, six injuries before. That. Yeah, we might as well get one in. That way we can just revise it and look really smart as we get towards opening day. Um, let's start right at the backstop. Uh, Danny Jansen and Alejandro Kirk are looking to be the catchers. Reese McGuire started today and caught Thornton the beginning of the game and obviously stayed in until like the eighth inning or something like that. But uh, Alejandro Kirk has been paired up with Robbie Ray. And we noted in our last episode that, that Montoyo has basically said that those two are a tandem. That's pretty cr- yeah. concrete proof to me that, that Kirk is likely making the team. And unless they're going to carry three catchers, that's going to either expose Reese McGuire to waivers or they'll have to trade him because he has no options left. Uh, are you happy with Jansen and Kirk being our tandem, Patrick? Yep. Yeah, percent, no doubt. Uh, I would say try to deal Reese for anything at this point, and if yep. you can't get anything at all for him, yeah, wave him. Wave him. He's he's got. I, I'd rather Moreno's already passed him. Yeah, the only the only thing that is bad about losing McGuire, uh, our next option would be probably Riley Adams, who'd be the most ready to come up to the big leagues, and he hasn't played above Double A. 
No, uh, but he's been great in spring training. He has been great. He's got a couple of home runs, uh, but he has no MLB catching experience is what I was going at. Doesn't know the staff. At least McGuire knows a lot of guys on the staff. The, yeah, so the only can. the only argument that anybody can make is that Kirk has options. Obviously, he ha- he played some MLB ball last year, but also hasn't played above A ball. And McGuire has the experience and is a great defensive catcher, which Kirk is not. But I think you take the bat and the young kid over the guy who can't hit shit. Yeah, I mean, if you add up Danny Jansen, Reese McGuire, and Caleb Joseph's batting average, you might get Alejandro Kirk. (laughs) You might get Alejandro Kirk in nine games, which is pathetic. Yeah. And we really can't afford for the catcher's position to be a black hole of hitting. I said this last time we recorded, and I stand firm on it. Uh, I'm not even convinced Danny Jansen is our number one catcher anymore, but that's a debate for another episode. Yeah, uh, I think we can. I think we can say pretty safely that Jansen and Kirk are the are the uh, are the boys behind. I would agree. Plate. All right, moving up the first baseline, Vladdy and Rowdy look like they're going to form a nice platoon. They can both DH. One hits left, one hits right. They both hit bombs. Yep. Really no uh, no arguments be made here, I think. Hey, it's nope. pretty self-explanatory. All right. Another one. We got we got three more that are easy. We've got Marcus Simeon at uh, second base. We brought him in to play that position. We're paying him $18 million to do so. His glove's been great. His bat's coming around. We got Bo Bichette at shortstop. Again, bat's coming around. He's still developing as a fielder, but he's a shortstop for now. Uh, third base. It's Kevin Biggio's job right now. He's also going to play everywhere when we need him to. We we mentioned yep. that Vladdy's going to play some third base most likely. And then we'll have utility guys. This is where the battle's going to come in. Um, on the infield, it's going to be Joe Panic, Santiago Espinal, or Bravic Valera. One of those three guys is going to make the team. Santiago Espinal is the only one with options. Uh, Panic is on a minor league contract, but... Will become a, he'll, he'll opt out. He'll become a free agent if we don't pick him on the active roster. And Valera will be waived if if he doesn't make the team as well. We saw both Panic and Espinal on the team last year. And obviously Valera came over as a waiver pickup from New York and played in a few games for us. He's the least remarkable of those three. So the job, the battle definitely comes down to Panic and Espinal. And both have hit well. Obviously Espinal's hitting like near, down near 400 in the spring. Uh, and they both play multiple positions. Joe Panek's a former Gold Glove winner with the with the Giants, uh, and a great veteran. Um, between, if you have to pick one of Panek and Espinal, who are you picking, Patrick? Espinal, I would take him a hundred out of a hundred times. The reason why is because Espinal has demonstrated last spring, uh, last year when he played half the season for us, and again now in the spring training that not only is he ready to be a regular in MLB. Uh, he's better than Panic. Do you think Panic is a Gold Glover and all that jazz? But I'm all on board Espinal getting a shot. Do you think that Espinal can be a starter for this team at some point? If somebody gets injured, yeah. But like thinking like a year or two down the road. I need to see what he can do at second base. Okay. Yeah. And my only. Yeah. You know, my only drawback to taking him on the roster now is if we do think he has potential to be a starting player on this team, or at least somebody who plays in like a hundred games. Cause right now I see him playing in like six, like it's like starting maybe 40 at most. And if I think, I think if the team has any 
um, ambitions on making him a starting player or at least a more regular contributor in coming seasons. Playing every day in Buffalo makes the most sense. But keep in mind that that minor league season doesn't start until May. So he, he has options. He could be a guy that's sent down. But then who do you bring up to replace him? Because Joe Panic's not going to take a minor league deal and Valera is going to be gone too. So then the job falls to somebody else. The, the option with, with keeping Espinal in Buffalo to start is that you can option him there. You can put Panic on the roster. And if Panic is struggling after, after April and Espinal is still lighting up at the alt site, you can just get rid of Panic for, for nothing or trade him away and bring Espinal up. That's just the only really flexibility that this situation has. I'm not even really thinking Valera has a chance. I put him on here because he's fighting for the job, but he doesn't have a shot. It's it's either you take the young kid who's playing well enough to earn the job, or you take the veteran and potentially have the young kid replace him later. Those are the two options. I'm fine with either. I don't think there's a bad call here because you're you're, you're keeping these guys defense first, bat second. Man, you've got me thinking now. I mean, logically, it makes sense to take advantage of players who have options. But again, Santiago Espinal is is so much better than Joe Panic at uh, this point in their careers. Yes, at this point. for so sure. I just don't understand why you wouldn't take the best team and not, you know, and not fiddle around with uh, with Joe Panic. If he's yeah. good enough to make the team, he'll make the team. And if he doesn't make the team, let him go. Like. Do, I don't. I just don't see it. He hasn't been good enough. Espinal. I've been an advocate for him for two, what two and a half years now. Yeah. I, the way I see Espinal is that I I would like to see what he can do with second base. Mm-hmm. He can cover for Samin, Bichette, or Biggio when they need off days, and none of those three guys are going to play 162 games. Yeah. There's good and. To get lineup, you know, uh, adjustments, um, to get advantages over the the pitchers that they play against. Espinal might only start forty to fifty games, but he's going to get into at least eighty. It just depends on injuries too, uh, and if you know if Kavan gets injured at some point, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, nor do I want it to happen. Mm-hmm. Espinal is the perfect candidate to replace him because he gives that versatility a lot of these guys are going to bounce around and are going to play more than one position aside from rowdy and Bo, uh they all have varying degrees of versatility true um i just i don't know i do see espinal as a future regular i think we're seeing a little bit of him here and there now last year he would have been a regular with the team uh for the for a full 162 game season we probably would have seen more of him than just 30 games um, not just because the season would have been longer, but because I, I think injuries and all things considered in a long season, uh, that would have been his true rookie year. Um, but I think he, he takes up one of the uh, utility slots. And I think Joe Panic, uh, unfortunately, uh, will have to look elsewhere. And I'm not sure if there is a team uh, that would take a chance on him which sucks right because he can he can still hit 240 and uh, he and is play great defense defender. yeah um moving out of the infield now we've got three healthy infielders currently we've got teoscar lordis grail jr and randall grichuk george springer is going to start in center field when he is healthy but may start on the injured list uh again there's 
no arguments in the outfield from anyone. Um, fighting for backup outfield spot, Jonathan Davis and Josh Palacios. Obviously, when healthy, a Springer returns, these guys will be the fifth outfielder. Again, just in like a similar scenario, Palacios is hitting well but has options. Probably could use some seasoning at AAA just for everyday at-bats because he's one of our only outfield prospects and the only one who's really anywhere close to MLB time. We've got Desan Brown, who is low, low, low in the minors. Uh, Davis has a... Benny Montgomery in the draft, my man. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Davis has plenty of experience. We've seen him in the big leagues. He's an MLB caliber center fielder defensively. The bat leaves something to be desired over his big league career, but he is hitting very, 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 very well this spring um, and running well too. Obviously, if if Springer misses any time on the injured list, you'll see Davis on the roster, I think, first because, again, he has no options. I'd love to see a kid like Palacios crack the roster, Patrick. I don't see it happening personally, but he's the first call-up if there's a trade or an injury, or a COVID issue. He may be on the taxi squad for all we know. Yeah, yeah. This this is the situation where I think you go with uh, with age over beauty, so to speak. I think, <laughs> yeah. unlike Joe Panic, uh, Jonathan Davis is one of the few outfielders we have that uh, can play at an MLB level. Uh, his, his hitting did improve last season uh, in the games he got into. Uh, and while I'm totally on the Josh Palacios hype train uh, <laughs> and will firmly remain there uh, until my final breath, uh, the thing with Palacios is, like you said, he has options. So, yeah, um, you know, you could look at this as a situation of like next year, you are pretty much guaranteed to make this team Palacios, but you're going to have to kind of bite the bullet and uh, hang out in Buffalo for a year and have a good season, have a great season come back be our potentially our fourth outfielder maybe by that point uh tioscar is full-time dh we don't even have to worry any anymore about uh having five outfielders yeah uh, and then you know maybe randall grichick ends up elsewhere so really i think 2021 is randall grichick's uh audition for you know 29 other teams to take on his contract yeah, so if we look at what we've done so far, um, our, our bench players, at least in, in theory, are Kirk, one of Panic or Espinal, and one of Davis, Palacios. Uh, and then you've got the guys that rotate through DH being Vladdy, Rowdy, Randall, and Teoscar. Obviously, only uh, two of those four, or three of those four, sorry, can be in the lineup every day. One of those four guys will not play all the time. Uh, it's likely Randall, Grichuk, and Reddy Telez yeah. who alternate in and out because I think you leave Silver Slugger winner uh, Tay Oscar in most of the time, probably in right field. Yeah. Although they've talked about making Tay Oscar more of a DH just because Grichuk definitely plays better right field defense than him. And he made a great catch in the yeah. game yesterday. Great catch. Bad news for Rowdy Telez, but I mean. Bad news for Rowdy, but. With the flexibility of Vladdy potentially playing some third base, that'll open up some first base time for Rowdy. He's the only other first baseman we have on the roster who is a regular yeah, there. True. Obviously, Bishio can play there too. Of course he can. Um, but yeah, you've got a bench of, of Kirk, Espinal or Panic, Davis or Palacios, and then they're rotating DH guys. It's a pretty solid bench. Uh, flipping over to the mound, the rotation 
which once was pretty secure, is now kind of in limbo. We've got the the lock of Hunjin Ryu, and I'd say the lock of Steven Matz. Uh, Robbie Ray's in there. Whether or not he's ready for opening day, we'll find out in a few days. He'll be the yeah, number two I, starter when healthy. Yeah, he won't go on the IL for this. Yeah, unless I, there was some sort of bone damage. Unless he like is a real bad bruise, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he who must not be named. I'm gonna say his name. Mute yourself, Patrick. Tanner Roark is in third in the rotation. At least he's Ugh. in there. And then we've got Ross Stripling likely starting fifth. And then you've got the the guys battling for potentially that fifth spot if Stripling loses it or being the first call-up or a taxi squad pick. You've got Anthony Kay, Trent Thornton, who pitched really well, and TJ Zoik, who's had a great power sinker this spring. And then you've got Thomas Hatch, who obviously was, was removed with injury. He has that elbow inflammation. Team says it's yep. not serious. There's no UCL involvement, so he won't need Tommy Johns at this point uh but we'll see how he recovers so the rotation is going to be ryu the guys who are healthy ryu rourke matt's stripling and then ray if he's in there if ray misses time it's one of k thornton or zoik in my opinion am i wrong <sighs> god i hate this situation so much because there's an easy way to fix your fucking rotation and it's get rid of Tanner Rourke. He doesn't. Yeah, need but to you're be not going to just give him up for nothing, Patrick. That's the problem. I'm sure Ross Atkins looks at him every day and's like, Jesus Christ, I can't wait to get you out of here. But they're not just going to give him up for nothing and still have to pay him. Okay, but then have him ride the pine. Putting him out there means losing twenty percent of our game. Yeah, but he's still on the roster. Fine. That's the thing. He he's going to take a roster Cole's spot. spot in the in the yeah. bullpen. He can fucking sit there all year for all I care. <laughs> And take garbage time <laughs> innings, just like Edwin Jackson did. <laughs> nah, He's that, a liability. Hey, Edwin Jackson was not garbage time. He was the tank commander. Do not disrespect Edwin Jackson's name. He's the Don't reason we have Austin Martin. Name. He's the reason Here's we have Austin Martin. Here's what I would do with the rotation. You really want to be like, listen, we're going full out this year. Number one, Honjin Ryu. Number two, Robbie Ray. Number three, I'm. Go- this is this is a big brain, galaxy brain move. Number three. <laughs> Trent Thornton, he deserves to have a rotation spot. He had it before. He was the only guy who deserved it uh, in a terrible 2019 season. Yeah, agreed. Um, he got hurt last year. As far as I'm concerned, Trent Thornton is in our starting rotation, regardless of what anybody says. And until someone says otherwise, I'm living in a world where Trent Thornton is a starter. And <laughs> I don't care about Tanner Rourke, okay? Yeah. I'm pretending he's not there. Trent Thornton is our number three starter. Number four, Steven Matz, like you said, he's more than earned it. He looks great, man. Out of all the guys in our rotation to be excited about, who we haven't already been, you know, chatting up, it's Steven Matz, man. He's going to be great. Oh, yeah. I think he's got a real good chance to be great. Um, And then number five, oh, you're going to love this, Justin. You're going to love this. Number five. The guy who's dead last in the alphabet on our team. It's going to be TJ Zoink. Interesting. I love it. Ross Stripling, don't get me wrong. Love the guy. I'm excited to see what he does with us, but he's going to be our 100-inning long reliever in the pen. Okay. Okay. I'm throwing him in the pen. So I'm going Thornton at three, Zoink at five. Yeah, we're doing this. We're doing it. (laughs) All right. We're having Um... this fight. 
I'm not going to fight right now. It's not worth it. Uh, we'll see what <laughs> happens with Robbie Ray in the next day or two. Cause it won't even, yeah. this fight won't even matter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll choose my battles on the next episode. Uh, relief pitching the bullpen yeah. with, with Yates being gonzo. Um, that leaves Romano and Dolis as yeah. the two most likely ninth inning options. Uh, then you've got setup men, Ryan Baraki, Chatwood, Liriano, David Phelps, who are probably locks for this bullpen at this point. They've all, like, like, yeah, Liriano's yeah, had yeah, a great yeah. spring. He has earned a major league uh, contract. He's on a minor league deal. Yeah. Um, but yep. he'll make this team. Um, which again is going to lead to a guy like Bravik Valera getting waived to make room on the on the forty man roster for Liriano. So that is an interesting tidbit. And then you've got uh, Julian Merriweather, who is probably never going to start again, but is looked at as a two to three inning bulk man. He's got some back tightness right now. He's throwing again, but hasn't pitched in a game in a little while. And then you've got minor league deal uh, for AJ Cole who, as mentioned before, did strike out uh, the side against the Yankees today. His spring ERA is at 450. He had one really rough start, kind of yeah, really rough outing bad. at the beginning, but he's looked decent since, and he was decent for us last year. I've got him in my pen at this point, just because he is a reliever, um, and I'd rather not see guys like Kay and Thornton if they miss out on the rotation in the pen. Um, you've got two lefties there in Barucki and, and, and Liriano, and then if they're going to end the third lefty, it's it's going to be Meza, I think, over Anthony K. Anthony K is going to start. He's got to start. He's a starting pitcher. He's going to pitch in Buffalo whenever yep. that opens up and likely be again, along with TJ Zoik, Trent Thornton, uh, Tom Hatchby, the, the guys on the call-up taxi squad, first come, first serve injury basis. But I'm also kind of hopeful that we can see Anthony Castro get a chance. If Julian Merriweather isn't ready to go for this season, I think they give Castro a pick. They they grabbed him off waivers from the yep. Tigers, so I think he's on our 40-man roster. Um so yep. he he can't pass through the through waivers again to 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 the minors he'd have to be he'd be picked up by somebody guaranteed. He's had a good enough spring to do that. So in in a perfect world you've got Romano Dolis, Baraki Chatwood, Liriano Phelps and then Two out of three, Cole Castro Meza. If you want to keep a third lefty, Meza's in there. He's the only lefty, other lefty option. And if you don't want three lefties in your pen, which why would you want three lefties? God, I love lefties. You go with Castro and Cole. All right. You ready for this? <laughs> yeah. This one we're not going to fight about because this one's pretty straightforward. <laughs> um, obviously, Romano, Delis, Baraki, Chatwood, Liriano, and Phelps are for sure They're making locks. this team. Yeah. Uh, by the way, let's not throw out the idea of Chatwood being the ninth inning guy. Uh, I, I really like what I've seen from him. I, I really liked what I've seen from him. What I'm also kind of interested to see is if they play with the idea of an eighth, ninth, a guy doing both. Oh. Because Chatwood has been stretched out a little bit. Yeah. That's a galaxy brain move, but I don't know <laughs> if it works in 2021 MLB. Uh, I remember for years we relied on Roberto Osuna to get six outs for us. And while he was effective at it, uh, I, I don't know if, I don't know if Chatwood has the velocity. I don't know if he has the stuff to be able to do that and the endurance. Uh, but again, right. spring training, he has been stretched out a little bit. I don't think Julian Merriweather makes this team, whether he's injured or not. 
Uh, I think that the book is going to be closed on him soon. Really? He is. Yeah, he's frequently injured. He's frequently injured. It's a waste of a roster spot, and I don't see what he brings that we can't get out of uh, either Thornton or Zoik as a hundred inning relief guy. If that's what we're looking for. Um, if for whatever stupid reason those two guys aren't starters, uh, and uh, as much as AJ Cole has done well to recover from a crummy start i am of the opinion that anthony castro deserves the shot okay and then Hmm. tim Mesa, of course will replace merriweather because we need more lefties and Mesa has 150 million percent uh delivered on everything uh we could have possibly hoped for a guy coming off a major surgery to do yeah um, of course, all this becomes more complicated once Nate Pearson is ready to return. Yeah, guys who are likely, guys that we've talked about who are likely to start on the injured list would be Pearson, Hatch, and potentially Springer. That would open up a few spots. Obviously, we didn't include Pearson in our rotation, but when yeah. he comes back, that bumps whoever's in the fifth spot out, and probably into the bullpen, which probably would then, Zoic. yeah, which would then move somebody from the bullpen out of the bullpen unless the Jays are going to carry nine relievers and drop a bench spot, which would be difficult to do. They'll need them at some point, but that's what the taxi squad guys will be for. You know, it's um, probably going to be on the taxi squad. It's probably going to be uh, a combination of Jonathan Davis. Uh, if he clears, I guess, or can the taxi be, do they have to clear to be on the taxi? I think they have to clear ah, to be shit. on the taxi. Yeah. All right. It's going to be, Palacios, TJ Zoic, if he doesn't make the rotation. And then it's going to be AJ Cole. Okay, interesting. Because we need that lefty, man. We need that third lefty. That's just too much versatility <laughs> to throw yeah. away. And, and we'll revisit this at the end of spring training because we'll know more about the guys who are hurt. We'll get another, I think we only have like five games left of spring here. So that it's, it's time is running out. Uh, maybe even four games only left. But, yeah, time is really running out here. Um, one last thing before we go. MLB announced they're going to be using StatCast data to start monitoring for pitchers using illegal substances because they can track sp- spin rate. So I'm not sure if they're going to be looking back retroactive because obviously StatCast has been around for a few years now to see if there have been guys who have been doctoring the baseball or using banned substances um, but going forward, StatCast will be used to monitor any like dramatic changes in both spin rate, like vertical horizontal break on pitches, and just weird other stuff that, that pitchers can use substances to do with baseballs. So that's something to keep an eye out on this year. You might see some StatCast-related suspensions, which would be cool. Another, another way baseball is moving uh, to be more technical. We've got the robot umps, and now we've got the robots telling us when pitchers are cheating, which is kind of cool. Can we... Bef- with regards to, to cheating and, and manipulating the baseball with either substances or otherwise, it wasn't too long ago that there was this trend in MLB where you would see starting pitchers have these massive belts, belt buckle-like things on their gloves. Yeah. And they used to use it to dig into the ball yeah. so they could get a firmer grip or they could get their nail – or they would use their nail. They would have a nail – yeah, on their thumb, to like kind of carve whatever, into it, <laughs> to carve into it to increase their their grip ability. 
And I don't know how you monitor I think StatCast will catch but... that, though, because it'll manipulate the movement of the baseball. Yeah, I'm just saying, I don't know uh, how you monitor for the fingernail part of it, but certainly we're going to see some crackdown when it comes to... Yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to be curious to see when the first suspension from this kind of comes out like what the what the what the what the uh, data looks like that'll be interesting for me we'll see we'll see but yeah that the crackdown is real that was a that was a little longer of an episode uh, of bfmd today but we had lots to go through injuries and then obviously roster crunching uh episode 118's in the books again you can listen to us on anchor apple podcasts spotify google podcasts breaker pocket casts radio public stitcher tune in and more you can listen directly on our website at bfmdpodcast.com or look at our pinned tweets on our twitter profile at bfmdpodcast we always keep our most recent episode pinned at the top there for people to find conveniently and we post uh, apple and spotify links on that tweet for patrick out in halifax it's justin here in saskatoon one week until baseball starts we're almost there we'll catch you later this weekend